time of experimentation capped in one small vial. Now to the final step, the infusion of energy. Well, that was the opening music to Mad Monster Party? Question mark? And it was directed by Jules Bass and written by, by Len Korobikin and Harvey Kurtzman with a story by Arthur Rankin Jr. And it was uh, distributed by Embassy Pictures, Rankin Bass Productions, and Videocraft International. And it stars the voices of Boris Karloff as Baron Boris von Frankenstein. <laughs> yes. And Alan Swift as pretty much every other character, except for France uh, Francesca, who is played by Gail Garnett, and Phyllis Diller played the monster's mate. And the title song was sung by Ethel Ennis. But I was impressed by Alan Swift. He played all the monsters. <laughs> he had uh, he, he he voiced fifteen parts. He was a real specialist in that. That that was his career. A voice actor like that. Yeah. And I didn't look this up, but his name was not Alan Swift in real life. He took the names of two other people that he liked, and I can't remember the background on that now. Yeah, and the company that put this together, uh, the Rankin-Bass Company, they did mainly television shows. So, and, And they're usually around the holidays, like holiday themes. So some of my favorites are The Little Drummer Boy, uh, Jack Frost, uh, Frosty the Snowman, The Year Without a Santa Claus, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And the company itself was involved in uh, quite a few others that I also like, uh, an animated movie called The Last Unicorn, and the animated The Hobbit movie, which is which is pretty great. Um, so they directed, they were directing that. Yeah, it has it has a a really unique look to it. As soon as you see it, you, you if you've seen these other Rankin Bass productions, you know that that's who put this together. I was reading some of the comments from people that have watched it, and, and many people said, "Why didn't they do more? They're so much fun." Uh, I know. I, I, I mean, when you guys were small, we used to watch those uh, holiday television films every year i can i can still remember it oh yeah and then we we bought the dvds and played them for our kids and so our kids know those movies as well so that's just like a holiday tradition around here is to watch some of those especially red uh rudolph the red-nosed reindeer i think that's probably my favorite well and we should probably tell everyone who we are (laughs) what, what they're listening to I'm ready for that. (laughs) And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net. And on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews and uh, see what we've got over there in terms of different tiers that you can support the show with. And I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from North Bend, where it's looking and kind of feeling a bit like fall out. We've got some yellow on the trees, and there's that cool morning air, you know, that crisp, cool morning air that we get. Oh, I I love that. This is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles, where it's still hot and sunny, welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews and Mad Monster Party, which I really enjoyed. It was released in March of 1967. So it's in that same period of time when they were doing all those television specials. 
And I, and I had a question, and I, I forgot to look it up. Jules Bass, I wonder if he's related to Saul Bass, who did so many of the opening credits, and then he did that, he directed Phase 4. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I don't know that. So he did an excellent job. And um, he went on to write a, a number of children's books. He was in advertising, then he did musicals, and then he did animations, and he, then he wrote a series of children's books. There they are. One of them is Herb, the Vegetarian Dragon. <laughs> I've not read that one. <laughs> another that TV, one. another TV series that he did that was very popular, The Thundercats in the 1980s. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember I that? that? Yeah, I watched that show religiously. I, I it used to be when you get a TV guide. Remember those hard copy TV guides? Yes. You get oh for yeah. Each week? I would go through with a highlighter and highlight all those shows I wanted to watch, and then that was definitely one of them. That was a Saturday morning special, I'll bet anything. So he, he's still alive. He's 84 now, and I believe he lives in New York City and still does writing of children's books. Very talented man. And then, of course, we've talked about Alan Swift. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't believe that he, had, he voiced... He voiced uh, eight eight main uh, characters and seven other characters in this in this film. They got their money's worth when they hired him. Well, he did a great job because I would have I I didn't really know that until the credits rolled at the end, and I was like, "What? He did all those? <laughs> I, I I would have never guessed. He did a great job. Everything from Felix Flanken to the mailman." Yeah, Felix Flanken. He he reminded me of uh, Don Knotts in a way. Oh yeah, he does. He was like a Don Knotts character. Yeah, that's true. He, he's boy. He uh, I liked it in the beginning when he was uh, working at that pharmacy sh- soda oh, shop. Yeah. The adept bumbler. Uh, these are for you, Mr. Cronkite, and here's one for you, Felix. Has a real fancy stamp on it. Oh, boy. They're going to be a convention, a big gathering of notables. Oh, golly, wow. Felix, stop your mumbling and tell us what the letter is all about. Well, I'm invited to an island in the Caribbean to take part in a scientific first, a new discovery. You? A mental last to a scientific first? I've seen postcards of them Caribbean islands. There are lots of sun, white beaches, palm trees, swimming pools, and them big fancy hotels. Oh, really? Of course, tennis courts, pretty girls, really, night really? clubs. Oh, Mr. Cronkite, the convention is on the 13th. Can I have this week off to get there and back? Aha! <laughs> I was wondering when you'd ask that. You're not due for a vacation yet. But I haven't had one in three years. Oh, please, Mr. Cronkite. If you leave, who'll make the coffee? Wash the dishes, mind the store. Please, Mr. Cronkite. Oh, pretty please. Huh? (laughs) 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 That's what happens when I get excited. Enough, enough, enough. Go, go, go. Take a week, a month, a year. 
<laughs> but it's not your vacation. <laughs> it's mine. Well, thanks, Mr. Cronkite. I sure appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Cronkite. No, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make it up to you. Go, go, go. Get out before you wreck the whole store. And the owner of the place was like, fine, go on vacation. It's actually a vacation for me. <laughs> and then he can't even get out of the shop without causing a huge mess. You know, he's a complete bumbler. Yeah. The bumbler. Well, they, one of the other characters that I really enjoyed was uh, was uh, Phyllis Diller, who had a long and active career in comedy. She used to be a regular on The Tonight Show, <clears throat> but she she refers to Frankenstein as Fang, yeah, <laughs> which is the the name that she would use in her comedy routines for her husband. Bird watching again, <laughs> Fang. Yes. Do you forget the last time you had a roving eye? I kept it in a jar for a week. <laughs> Don't give me any of your back mumble, you, you, you monster. And I know in this film, in this uh, setup, she still wanted to use Fang, and they said, well, let's just go ahead and do that because she's used to that, and it sort of fits. And then we can avoid some of the copyright payments we'd have to make for every time we use Frankenstein. So she she, she brought over from her uh, comedy routine, Fang. Yeah, there was a few other, there was another monster that they had to come up with a different name. I think they called it It. Yes. Which I yes. think was sort of like a King Kong character, right? So Yeah. The other monsters in the, in the show are Dracula, the werewolf, the creature, who's the creature from the Black Lagoon. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, The Mummy. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yep, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Invisible Man. Yep. <laughs> One of the things I like is there's, there's a person that's a character, is a, uh, what's his name, Mr. Cronkite, who was very popular as a CBS news reporter at that time. Oh, right, yeah, I noticed Walter that Cronkite. Too. Well, then there was another monster, too, um, that was sort of like uh I don't know what he he could remove his head and then <laughs> oh yeah was that was that uh, Yetch Yetch yeah Yetch I think it was Yetch I mean they're, they're everybody's in this and and he his voice reminded me of the voice of the uh, guy that was in my favorite brunette whose name is escaping me right now um, oh uh, Peter Lorre yeah he Yetch Peter sounded Lurie. like Peter Lorre to me he looked like him too. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be a Peter Lorre uh, knockoff. I want each of you to stay calm and collected no matter what emergency arises. And I don't want to see anyone losing his head. I take it yours wasn't hooked on. All right, Yetch. Pick it up, pick it up. Don't know if you're coming or going, do you, Yetch? I'm so excited, Doctor. I haven't seen all of our old friends in years. I got so nervous and excited and nervous and... <laughs> Let's try not to go to pieces, Yetch. Doctor, a group of the convention party has just arrived. Good. Thank you, Francesca. Everyone to his post. We must make certain that it does not get onto the island. To your checkpoints! Oh, Francesca, 
You beautiful, adorable, lovable creature. How much I've wanted to touch you. Take your hands away from me. You creep. She noticed me. For the first time, she noticed me. She told me to creep. So I'll creep. There was a lot of there were a lot of characters in this that they parodied out of uh, the the real films that used to be produced by Universal all the time. Uh, and, and I can't say enough about Boris Karloff. He loved to do these films. He did a lot of a lot of uh, things more like for children. Yeah, he, he was quite a versatile man. Oh, there's so much in this. It's it's a it's a potpourri of bad behavior. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I absolutely love the first ten minutes of the film. I watched it again this morning on the big screen downstairs, and uh, I think that's some of the best filmmaking ever, especially for an animated movie. I mean, it's it's great. It's got a very unique style, but I I love the when he when dr uh boris now baron bond baron boris von frankenstein is trying to <laughs> come up with this serum and he sends it up like he did with the monster to get shot with electricity from the <laughs> like, lightning that was right out of frankenstein comes down and it's glowing all blue and you're like wow what has he done here what's this this uh potion that he's cooked up and and then he goes and grabs a crow and he a raven, the, a raven. That was, he, the, that was the raven character from Edgar Allan Poe. Oh right, right, right. Then he has a little line from the raven at, at, after what happens. <laughs> Quote the raven, "Nevermore." He puts a little bit of this potion on the raven's foot, and then the raven flies off. And when it lands on a tree way out distant from the castle, it's like an atomic bomb went off. <laughs> Wasn't that a great uh, effect when, when the Baron is looking out the window and they're they're actually playing a a, a, vi- a film of a bomb going off? That was well done as well. Oh, that was awesome! Yeah. So, and then and then I love everything at the uh, pharmacy too with uh, with uh, <laughs> Flanken and and all of his bumbling and he gets this. You know, the setup is that okay. Uh, Baron Boris von Frankenstein has met, you know, he's achieved his life ambition of not only creating life, but also creating this potion that can destroy matter. So he's, he's created life and he's created death. And now he, and now and this is the part I didn't understand. So now he wants to retire. It's like, okay, I'm done. I want to retire. I've achieved my life's goal. <laughs> I'm going to hang it up and turn it over to my, uh, my bumbling nephew. Was it Felix? Yeah. Flanken? Yeah, his nephew, and so he wants to have a party, and he's also the head of the 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 global monster organization. Or something. <laughs> Let's see, I'm going to find the name of that. It's the Worldwide Organization of Monsters. W O M, Wom. He wants to give that up. He's he's had it, and I, I love the way that he invites everybody. To come to this mad monster party, except it, 
Yeah, because it he just causes too much chaos and he's too much of a misbehavior. Yeah, and we so we don't know and we don't know who it is at at this point because it could be anything. Well, I guess he was bad at the last time because he crushed the island's wild boars in his bare hands. He's such a boar. He's such a crushing boar. He says is the line. <laughs> Yeah. And then he crushed all the boars. I was like, oh my gosh, that was a great play on words. <laughs> just, a, just a sidebar. I wonder if the new movie, It, drew its name from the, you know, the people who were watching that and said, let's call this It. Oh, I doubt yeah, sometimes it. I, sometimes I wonder how these things connect. Well, that was based off of a Stephen King book. And I don't, yeah. I don't think this movie was in his mind when he... I when mean, he wrote maybe, It. Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. Uh so then, was, so all these, quite a thing. so all these monsters get an invitation, and there's a funny montage at the beginning. With, I really like that song at the beginning too. It was, it kind of reminded me of a James Bond theme song. The opening one that uh, she sang. Yeah, the Baron and the Mad Monster Party. Mad Monster Party is the one I think you're. It was the second song. in this it is it is a musical in a way yeah. yeah and a lot of it was written by mr bass some of it better than others the the mad monster party at the beginning is great i really like that song but then there's another one that phyllis uh 
uh, is it Phyllis Diller? Yeah, the uh, You're Different. Yeah, Phyllis Diller. That that one just was, that just didn't hang together for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're different. I knew it wouldn't be the same that you'd play a different game cause you're different. (laughs) You're different. I don't know whether to complain, but you're driving me insane cause you're different. You're different. Now let's agree. You're not incredibly handsome or even charming, but you can be so disarming. <laughs> I find it simply alarming. You're different, as unpredictable as rain. You're an Easter candy cane, yes, you're different. <laughs> different, like a snowy day in June. Like a new Brazilian tune, yeah! I like the one near the end. Never was a love like mine, Francesca. Oh, Felix, you're wonderful. I've been such a fool. Francesca, does your... Head feel lighter than air? Yes. Does your throat feel parched and and do you sort of tingle all over? Oh yes, yes, Felix. Then you must have allergies too. Here, try some of my pills. Oh, Felix, darling. Shot an arrow that 
that meant much to any little love for any two. Never was a love like mine for you. Never was a love like mine for you. I didn't quite pick up at the beginning what the f- deal was with Francesca. So it wasn't, they kind of really revealed it all the way at the end, but uh, it turns out that the Baron created the monster and then created the monster's bride and then created Francesca. And, and Francesca was his masterpiece, he calls calls her. In, in the write-up I was reading, the Baron's beautiful assistant and his ultimate creation. Yeah. And and so she's jealous of the fact that, well, she finds out that the Baron wants to give all of the secrets over to his nephew. And she's surprised that he has a nephew because he, he, she didn't know that any living relatives were out there. And he has a story about how he's got a couple brothers and a sister and, the, and what had happened to them. <laughs> I was like, geez, everybody died except for the nephew. Felix is the child of my younger sister. She turned out to be the white sheep of the family. Oh, too bad. She had a great flair for witchcraft. But then she met this traveling medicine man, Chuck Flanken, in Transylvania. And she eloped with him and went to the United States to live. They're both gone now, but their son, Felix, is my only relative and heir. But why are you inviting him to this convention? Because, my dear, I'm... I'm retiring. Yes? Oh, don't look so unbelieving. I've grown a little tired of this horror business, doing bad for others and very rarely getting any bad in return. And now that I've mastered my greatest discovery, I'd like to retire while I'm on top. I shall turn over all my secrets to Felix, including my last great one, and then present him to the convention as my successor. <laughs> I know. Felix was incompetent and un- unsuitably kind-hearted. He was just never going to make it. Yeah, and, and they, they all kind of meet up at this steamer ship um, on the dock, and it's like the crew members aren't too phased by the actual monsters, but then when Felix shows up, they freak out. <laughs> I was like, what is it about Felix that freaked him out so much? He was almost like he was more scary than the real monsters. Do you suppose they realized how he had been created? Well, that's the maybe thing they, is that you don't maybe you, they you definitely don't find that out until <clears throat> no. the very, very last like two seconds of the movie practically. So that was kind of a cool twist. Yes, I, I had forgotten that it's a takeoff on the ending of Some Like It Hot. Yeah, yeah. Where they're riding away, and, and the guy says, I, "I'm a, I'm a man," and the, and the, and the Edward e., uh, J, Joey Brown says, "Oh, nobody's perfect." I call Mama. She was so happy she cried. She wants you to have our wedding gown. It's white lace. Yeah, that's good. I can't get married in your mother's dress. <laughs> she and I, we are not built the same way. 
We can have it altered. Yeah, I know you don't. That's good. I'm gonna level with you. We can't get married at all. Why not? Well, in the first place, I'm not a natural blonde. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. I smoke. I smoke all the time. I don't care. Well, I have a terrible past. For three years now, I've been living with a saxophone player. I forgive you. I can never have children. We can adopt some. But you don't understand, Osgood. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. Haven't you wondered why I was on that island? You see, I'm not a human being like you are. I was created by Frankenstein after the monster and his mate. I was his masterpiece. But where other women have a heart, I have a spring that will unwind. Where other women have lungs, I've got a pump that runs on batteries which will run out. Where other women have elbows and knees, I have metallic joints that will one day grow rusty and stiffen. I'm just a machine of hundreds of parts will eventually wear out. Well, Francesca, you! Well, Francesca, none of us are perfect. Are perfect, are perfect, are perfect, are perfect. Are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. They stole a little bit from a lot of different films. Yeah, they did. One of the characters was uh, uh, supposed to be a voice like James Stewart. I forget if that was the pharmacist or if that was Felix. So uh -oh. it sounded like James Stewart. Yeah, maybe. Jimmy maybe. Stewart. So, uh, so he they calls all, all these folks together. Yeah, they have like a funny kind of mo another montage. There's like these little set pieces in the movie. So there's another one in the hallway of the steamer ship where Felix, it's, it's a classic thing where he has to have these glasses on in order to see anything, but then his glasses get knocked off. And then he doesn't realize that he's surrounded by all these monsters because he can't see very well. And that was kind of funny. There's a, there's a host, host of those. I like Chef Mafia Machiavelli, too. He had some really interesting recipes. Hustle, mia. Hustle, you. I'm the world's best chef. You're better, your moolah. Chef Machiavelli, how are you, maestro? Hey, Yetch, what are you doing in my kitchen, huh? You are no good snaking in the grass. You're a dirty swine. You're a ugly rat. Oh, thank you for those kind words. I hope I can live up to them. It is Yetch. He's a little bit of a nut. Keep your hands out of my salad before I throw you out of my kitchen. What are you doing in here anyway, eh? Dr. Frankenstein asked me to check on how the preparations for the feast were progressing and what the menu would be. First, uh, we have the salad. <laughs> here have a taste. Mmm, delicious. What kind is it? It's my own chef's salad, <laughs> the Mafia Machiavelli special. I make it with a poison ivy, a toadstools, and a poison of berries. 
It's a good, no? I got three kinds of dressings that I go with. Arsenic, cyanide, and this one, you get a big bang at it, yes. What is it? A nitro glycerine. <laughs> I make a joke, you know? <laughs> yeah, I like this octopus soup. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he and Yetch. They make yeah. quite a pair. Yeah. Well, then uh, they, let's they see. make it up to the island. Uh, but it's weird because all the monsters arrive, it seems like almost like a day before uh, Felix. And then Felix has to row himself from the steamer ship to the island. I'm, I guess the monsters either flew or somehow or another got there sooner than the boat somehow. <laughs> Magically appeared. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the party is on that famous Isle of Evil. Yeah, and if I you like say, that. and I, I read that if you say it a certain way, it sounds like I love e- evil. I love evil. I love evil. I love evil. Well, you know, if if you're in the organization, the uh, worldwide organization of monsters, you're going to love the Isle of Evil. Well, yeah, that's your home <laughs> base. Yeah. Yes, and quite a crew. So and there's a uh, bit they, of a there's a bit of a John Hark, Hark Harker kind of vibe to Felix as he's coming up to the castle in you know in Dracula when 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 the, oh, that character yes. is coming oh. from London down to visit Dracula's castle it has a bit of that feel to it. He kind of looks like that guy too. Yeah, I think that to me that was the he was kind of playing that character, the John Harker character from Dracula. In that film, he becomes possessed by Dracula, right? Yeah, he he starts eating flies, and he's yeah he becomes like Dracula's toady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never good. So they they assemble on the island, and Francesca begins to develop feelings for Felix, as he unknowingly saves her many times. The well, but she's also really annoyed by Felix because she wants to be the one who inherits all the secrets and yeah, she says it's yeah. rightfully hers and who's this guy to come in out of nowhere and, and take all the secrets and so she's plotting with Dracula to basically off Felix out in the woods one night and there's just a series <laughs> of misadventure <laughs> <like> <laughs> yeah <laughs> he kept swinging around on that tree and missing him, I thought, my goodness, this guy's really incompetent. This is the this is the Leslie Nielsen Dracula that we're dealing with. Here. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about him. Yeah. He never does succeed in getting getting him bitten. No, but then the monster and the monster's bride find out that what the deal is, and so then they're in on the plot of trying to get rid of Felix. So. Basically, all the monsters kind of turn on both them, each other, and and Felix, and and the Bor- and Boris, Baron <laughs> Frankenstein. I can't say. His name. I, I just gone to calling him the Baron because that the, name the is Baron, a yeah, the, the Baron, Baron Boris von Frankenstein or Frankenstein. It, it this this also has a little bit of flavor of like young Frankenstein to me, like some of the names and some of the goofiness of it. Oh yeah! Oh, definitely. It's it's got like a dozen different uh, scenes or, or or bits that are that are based on other film, mm-hmm. at least. At least, yeah. So it is 
very upset. Would that be a fair statement? It that he oh. wasn't it that he wasn't invited to the party. Well, doesn't Francesca decide that she's going to invite it kind of behind everybody's back? Yes, he wasn't invited at first, but then I think Francesca decides that she needs some help even more than what she's getting, so she sends an invitation off to it, and then yeah, it I appears she, near yeah. the end. But she, but by the time it shows up, she's kind of had a change of heart, and she wants to save Felix, and so she, uh, her and Felix are running through the forest on the island to try to get to her boat, and all kinds of misadventures happen, and she gets captured, and then it shows up, and is like a classic King Kong moment where he grabs her. Yeah. And like grabs all the other monsters. I love he's holding about <laughs> ten of them in his in his right hand. It's like he's got a ar- he's got bellowing. a handload of like uh, jelly worms or something. You know, it's like sweet and sour worms, or he's gonna eat them. And these little planes. I was kind of interject. It must have been really labor intensive to do all of these. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, just well, and some I know of the they effects used a studio too. in Japan that had some of the technology, but good heavens! Some of the effects, like the um, the water, w- looked pretty cool when when he was rowing his boat onto the island, and the sparks that were flying when the when the potion went up to get hit by the lightning that was really cool, and just the and the potion effects at the beginning were amazing. Those little planes flying around, yeah, the planes flying around like in King Kong. I would love to have seen that set, you know, the size of that set and all. Yeah, yeah. And and just, I love to watch some of the background stuff too. Like, so uh, in the castle, there were some really great set decorations that they used. Or out in the forest, there were some really great set, de- set decorations. So that was pretty cool to watch. I wish I wish there was some more, more information on how long it took to put it together. I, I didn't find anything on that. This there's not a lot of information on this movie. It's weird. It's it's for as famous as these directors are and this production company is. It's I'd never even heard of this movie until about a month ago when we started searching around for a movie to watch that we thought might not be a a ten, and found this one. I was reading another thing on the production. Uh, Rankin Bass had something they called Animagic which was their stop-motion animation process, but they turned the supervision over to a firm in Tokyo called MOM Productions. Apparently, they had had more experience at repositioning, you know, the models and all. It, it, it just, the logistics of it had to be uh, very challenging, I would think. Gosh. Yeah. I, I, I'm always really impressed with stop motion. And you, you look at this movie, and I think this was probably pretty state-of-the-art for the time, 1967. And then you look at some of the later uh, stop motion films that have come out in the 2000s. It's amazing how, like Coraline, for instance, or Nightmare Before Christmas. It's amazing how far the technology has come. So we so we have a big sort of battle at the end with it and the monsters and and uh, Francesca and Felix are trying to get off the island, and then Doctor Frankenstein shows up, and he's got the potion and he he's getting picked up by it, and he decides to sacrifice himself and all the monsters and mon- the Isle of Evil, 
<laughs> and he blows up he blows up the whole thing in a gigantic what looks like nuclear explosion and fortunately <laughs> Felix and Francesca have gotten far enough away and then yeah well, then we have this scene which is sort of a takeoff of, of some like it hot where it's revealed that uh, Felix isn't necessarily what we thought he was through the whole film <laughs> he gets stuck on our perfect our perfect our perfect yeah yeah <laughs> oh, I love I love this film I was gonna. Uh, there was one other. Oh, Gail uh, Garnett plays. Um, let's Francesca. See. Francesca. And I had to look her up because I, I had no recollection of her. She was really big on television. Back in the days of films, uh, uh, TV shows like 77, Sunset Strip, which was one of my favorites. And then she was in My Big Fat Greek Wedding from oh, 2002. Yeah. And I didn't remember that at all. I recognized her from that movie. I had, she no had no idea. Hit song. Though. We'll sing in the sunshine, which is really big. Sometimes I like to pretend that I'm a screenwriter, right? So I, oh, I have okay. a. I I actually love the first ten minutes of this movie, and I love the last ten minutes of this movie, and I found the middle seventy minutes or so to be kind of a slog. I I I wasn't really that engaged with it. I felt like they were wasting time with some scenes just to kind of fill some minutes like that whole the whole scene when they're they're snoring and and their roommates are annoyed with the snoring of the person that they're sharing the room with oh yes that was sort of like a head scratcher to me why that was in the film it could have just been cut out or something else could have been put there so i have a different plot line which is everything up to the first 10 minutes where the doctor you know dr frankenstein discovers this um, this power to create these atomic explosions but instead of inviting all the monsters for a party he just he just sends a message to felix saying felix i've i've discovered the ultimate secret i need you to come to the island and francesca overhears this and is jealous and so francesca sends out invitations to all the monsters unbeknownst to the to the baron and so here we have uh, felix coming thinking that he's going to go to the island to learn about this ultimate secret. And then we have, unbeknownst to Felix and the Doctor, all of the other monsters coming. And because Francesca wants the other monsters to help her get the secret from the Doctor and and not to have Felix. So it's kind of the same setup for some other parts of the movie. And then there could be a lot of hijinks in the middle of the movie about them having near misses in the hallways and like... Felix, <laughs> yes. Felix figuring out that he's surrounded by monsters, kind of like uh, Abbott and Costello meet the werewolf, yeah. you know, something like like that. When they're in that hotel, when Abbott and Costello are in the hotel, exactly, the yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then the ending still works because then uh, all is revealed that the doctor wants to give this to Felix, and uh, Francesca has been working behind his back, but then she falls in love with Felix and wants to save him at the end, and then the doctor decides that it's just not worth it and it's too much power for the world and so he blows everything up. And I just think it sets it up for a lot more hijinks and goofiness in the middle versus having five minutes of them being annoyed with each other for snoring too loud. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Now all we have to do is figure out how to get all those models out of storage. (laughs) 
I'm sh- I'm sure they exist someplace. I wish there was a way I could download the film and re-edit it because I feel like there could be a way to re-edit this film and make it work a little bit better. To make but it work that way. Th- and this is where I say it's easy for me to say like I'm not a film producer or or director, so <laughs> I've just watched a lot of movies. <laughs> so take that with a grain of salt. I like it though. <laughs> I like it because it leads into a lot more hijinks, which yeah. would be fun. Yeah, more exactly. of the Abbott and Costello. Yeah, more slapstick kind of physical humor opportunities, I think. Because with them all knowing that they're there and then like almost immediately finding out what's going on, it, it just removes a lot of the drama for me and it removes a lot of the opportunity for, for suspense. Did we? Do you think we ever went to see this when you and Ben were... were I've never little? seen this before. I've never even heard of it until a month ago. I don't think I had either. But then I, I've seen so many movies over my lifetime, I get they kind of run together. Sometimes I'm thinking of one movie and it was actually part of another. Yeah, that happens to me too, especially as I get older and watch more movies. <laughs> so uh, I, I gave this the film a seven. I, I, I wasn't quite up to the eight, nine, ten level, but I, I, if it was a distribution, I'd say it's in the, it's in the third quartile. Above, above a middle. I gave it a six. I, I, I was thinking it was a solid five. Uh, but then I rewatched the opening and the ending this morning. And I, I thought, well, th- that 20 minutes of the movie for me is, is worth another point. So I'm going to go with a six. So, you know, we achieved our goal. We wanted to kind of move our ratings into other levels than all nine and ten. And we've done that last week and this week with my favorite brunette and now mad monster party so at least we're starting to get a little bit better distribution yeah. one thing i found interesting about ethel ennis who was singing in this mm-hmm. back at uh, richard nixon's second inaugural she was invited to uh sing there and uh, she'd always been a lifelong democrat oh weird yeah it's unusual Maybe she knew somebody. It must have been one of like you, you know somebody knows somebody, and she has yeah. a beautiful voice. Yeah, that opening song is is really really good, and and like like I, as I said at the beginning, it reminds me of a, a opening song to a James Bond movie from this era, sort of a yes, moon, like a Moonraker sort of vibe to it almost. It was that it was could cool. be another uh, recasting of it. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, a fun movie. I'm, I'm glad you came across it because we probably would have missed it. It's just not It's just not around much. But it is available. Yeah, what I like about it, well, it is actually pretty easy, easy to get. Um, I just watched it on Apple TV. Uh, but what I like about these movies that are more in the middle of the range of the ratings is it gives me a chance to think about how I would have done it. And I, I kind of like that exercise of going through and saying, well, I would have done this differently and I would have had this plot line and I would have had this character do this. And that's a, that's a fun thing because I think about it then for a few days after the show <laughs> and, and I, I like that. We've got some of those upcoming that you'll have a field day with. Uh, we're planning to kind of move into a conspiracy theory area and uh, we pick four films for our next four podcasts. I think a conspiracy it's, theory... Uh, series of films seems appropriate right now so we pick these four in the order that we uh, that we will uh, be doing them and they're all available on streaming services of one kind or another 
We're going to start with Clute from 1971 with uh, Jane Fonda and Keith, uh, not Kiefer Sutherland, Donald Sutherland. And then we're going to go to Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford from 1975 and I believe Faye Dunaway. And then we're going to do Capricorn One from 1977 and finish it up with a Charles Bronson thriller, Telephone from 1977 and all of these are ripe for rewriting re-editing and having fun in our head (laughs) especially three days of the condor every time i see that i think there's about nine different ways they could have finished this but (laughs) but uh they're all fun films so those will be coming up and our next one is clute awesome and donald sutherland's a favorite of ours so we should have fun with that oh one of my all-time favorite actors yeah and i'm i'm really starting to like charles bronson too so i'm looking forward to that oh yeah you'll like him in this one he's 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 quite good it's all got all kinds of spies and conspiracies and oh my word perfect all After right well four of those we'll be that ready. was <laughs> we'll be ready for a musical for comedy. something <laughs> then we'll do four musicals yeah kind of lighten it up Cool. Well, that was fun. It was it was a fun movie. Um, so I, I would recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. Just be prepared for a, a few scenes in the middle that are head scratchers, at least for me. And so, yeah, that was our review of Mad Monster Party. And coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt. And Bob in Los Angeles wishing everybody happy movie watching. <laughs>